Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast. I'm Dustin Ramsdell, and every week I'm having conversations with influential hired leaders about the work they're doing, the impact they're making, and how you too can better implement technology to support student success. I'm excited to have a little bit of a jam session here with somebody that I've met a few times at various conferences over the past couple of years as I've been trying to get out and about. So I'm glad to finally have the opportunity to share his awesomeness with you all here, the audience, of the Hired Geek podcast. So Mike, if you want to briefly introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get on to the rest of our conversation here. Thanks, Dustin. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Mike Tringe. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a former educator. And I'm the co-founder and CEO of CreatorUp. And what we do at CreatorUp is we make any type of digital content creation easy for our customers. That could be video assets, photo, creative copy. And we do that through our network of over 8,000 global creative professionals and our platform that makes it simple for companies to order and fulfill content. Yeah, and I mean, and that... Is something that I feel like has just only continued to, to get more and more important of just like creating content, creating good, engaging, relevant content and keeping it up to date and all those sort of things. So that's going to be what kind of what we're exploring today is, you know, just this world that I think can sometimes kind of get like taken for granted, I think, as you're developing, you know, whether it's, you know, online programs or hybrid programs or just even your kind of more classic traditional on ground programs, like they should still have, uh, high quality content and everything. And then just across the entire student experience, kind of making sure that you're kind of keeping that level of quality uh, across the board. So I guess the, as like a curiosity of mine and to sort of, you know, kind of capture it here, like how did you get into doing this work? What was it about doing content creation in the education space that sort of resonated? Yeah, I'd love to talk about this. I think we should like bring it all the way back to the early days because I think you were at ASU GSV the year before last, where they did a tribute to Sesame Street and the founders of Sesame Street. And when you really start to think about history and kind of how we learned, I mean, I grew up watching a lot of TV and Sesame Street, you know, and other shows that I found were educational through PBS. At that time, there weren't thousands of channels. There were like 12. And I learned a lot. And more than that, I, I learned things that like I didn't know that I could learn or needed to learn through content, like how to treat people and, you know, what it's like to see people from diverse backgrounds because I grew up in Nebraska, you know. And so for me, I've always been I've always seen content as a window out into the world and like this endless, infinite library that I could continue to learn from. So I'm inspired by the power of content to educate and inform. And that's kind of how I think I got into this. And then that brought me into the world of filmmaking and education. And when you put those two things together, I started to realize, wow, there's a way to make this good and like not so good. And like not good is not good because it's really wasting people's time. <laughs> you know? Well, I think in especially in higher education, like the sort of cost equation that people are sort of interfacing with is so much more explicit versus K through 12. It's sort of, you know, implicit where it's like, yes, our tax dollars are paying for this somehow, some way, like all that versus, okay, I'm paying this much for every credit, for every course, for every semester. So like every week you could kind of break it down. If it's like any of those sort of just analyses that students are doing, like if they feel like, yeah, their time's being wasted and all that, like that's just that relevancy 
kind of quagmire that institutions are grappling with of like how do they sort of evolve themselves to be more relevant more engaging for students so that you know the student who you know is investing all this time and money into this experience is getting what they're you know sort of hoping out of it and everything yeah and i think it's and maybe if you can kind of speak to this because i think there's sort of an interesting wrinkle to you know building stuff within the kind of education spaces you're still kind of working within a sandbox with sort of limits and sort of like okay the video should only maybe be so long and we've got sort of budget constraints or what sort of tools we're working with to make this video so like what about i guess like that sort of aspect of what you do i guess kind of keeps it maybe like sort of interesting and lively and engaging for you because like obviously you're kind of working within those constraints that's that's perfect question constraints are i love constraints to me constraints are the germ of something great because I mean, when we started, our first class in film school was Filmmaking 101, and there was no audio dialogue, no dialogue allowed. We had to tell the story with just pictures. And further to that, like we had a really limited amount of time to do it and resources. And so when you start to put those constraints on now, you might automatically think, well, whatever you create is going to be bad because it won't even have had the time to do it correctly. But that's it's actually not the case. So it's like, how do you work within these parameters to do something interesting and do something that's relevant to your audience? So I think we're living in a really exciting time. And then beyond that, I just think we should start getting this out there right away. Generative AI is removing a lot of those constraints in ways that are like insane and astronomical. And how are we leveraging that and tackling that in a way that feels even doable because the limitless is almost as paralyzing as the limit, right? And so how do we bring this together in a way that makes things that you and I care about and that helps students learn? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think I've just listened to other podcasts lately that have sort of like gotten to that point is that like, that is sort of the like uh, sort of bifurcation that we're in right now is sort of like the human creativity that sort of thrives with sort of constraints and you kind of get a sandbox to play in versus the limitless idea of AI. And that like, even then, like, <laughs> you know, it's not even close right now to producing anything that's like consistently of the quality. I think most people would be looking for if it's like making certain image, like with like different prompts, we were like, Oh, this looks pretty good. But for some reason I have like three hands or something. And it's just like, that obviously wouldn't happen like if a human being was just kind of interacting in the mix here, but AI is still so kind of, you know, young, you know, it's almost, it's the idea where it's like, it's a novelty. Like it's kind of a fun thing to play around with and maybe you can get something cool out of it. But if you are, especially like thinking in this context, like if you're trying to produce effective learning environments or just engaging sort of supportive campus environments, it's like, you're going to need sort of that human hand to create sort of the, you know, the quality or sort of the warmth or sort of the just kind of produce something that achieves the outcomes, you know, that you're looking for. I think that's right. And just to bring it back to our model, I mean, we believe that the blending of a human network of professionals who are trained around how to do this or that, plus the tools can actually produce content that is usable and useful and I think as people start to become versed in these skills associated with AI and AI leveraging and content creation, it will be no different than the 
revolution of the social media platforms and DIY related content with the exception that instead of just distribution freedom, you now have content creation accessibility because Adobe Premiere and the other softwares that are out there, even TikTok, there's an element of complexity to them that a professor might question, right? Can I do this quickly? Can I make something that my student cares about? That's changing a little bit. And so you're starting to see these micro skills associated with content creation that are not that different or far off from kind of learning how to use Word or some of these like software tools that now we kind of say, okay, I know how to do this stuff. Everybody knows how to do this. So having said all of that, I think the human in the loop is valuable to create usable and useful content. But I think what will be more and more interesting is like, what is the gap or delta between making something that somebody is learning something from because it's personal enough and relevant enough and something that's not useful to them, right? And what is the role of the professional, whether that be the instructor, even the school and or the artist in crafting the output in such a way to make it useful? I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop because I would keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is great stuff because I think it gets to kind of a core premise of like what I've been kind of exploring a lot and like, you know, moderating panel discussions and presenting myself or just writing about is this kind of, you know, hybrid digital first sort of mindset that I think a lot of institutional leaders are kind of navigating where, you know, it's sort of a reality that kind of has to be accepted is like, okay, like, you know, the hybrid future and frontier is here, you know, we're sort of kind of passing this Rubicon and whatnot, but you know, that you have to figure out how these tools and things can kind of augment your work. Like it's going to, and if it does replace anything, it's replacing rudimentary or sort of inefficient things. So if it's like the output, the outcome is still the same, but maybe you can get there more efficiently. Like even just that example of like writing, like you're probably still going to be writing in Word or Google Docs or wherever else. But if you could use something to kind of help you with sort of a, a prompt or some sort of inspiration or something to uh, help edit your writing, it's like it's just going to get you to a high quality a higher quality place quicker that you still could kind of get to on your own, but it's going to maybe be able to uh, analyze your writing in a deeper sense. Because I've been playing around with a lot of tools that do that for writing where it's, it's highlighting so much of your writing where it's like, oh, this is maybe too many words. Maybe you want to shorten this up. Maybe you kind of want to put this like, you know, it's just elevating your spell check and grammar check with, you know, more uh, kind of a, you know, AI interface and everything. So yeah, I think that's the idea where I've seen like stuff with like, um, like Photoshop or something else where it's like you have an image and you're like, well, I kind of want to fill this to be bigger. And like, it can kind of generate based on what's in that image to kind of fill it out. And it's like, okay, you could maybe get there on your own, but it's going to be way more efficient if you use this other thing. And again, it's still like, where do we want to kind of put the guardrails up to maybe just make it clear like, hey, this image was augmented by AI, just so you know, like, you know, the, the original image is an actual image, like a picture that somebody took, and then they sort of amplified it to be like, look at this sort of computer generated background that this person was in or something or whatever else. So I think that's still something people are determining is like, do you maybe want to put a little like asterisk on certain things where it's like, oh, this was sort of like created or augmented with AI or something. But yeah, so I think that core premise, maybe I'll, I'll sort of follow up with this question is like, again, that idea of how can we digitally augment the work that hired pros and faculty and stuff are doing? How do you see the work that you're doing helping with like, because I'm trying to just like 
have this be as succinct as possible, but just with sort of like accessibility or because I'm thinking of just obviously like you create a high quality video, somebody could watch it 50 times if they need to, they could watch it, you know, a certain portion, the whole thing, slow it down, speed it up or any of that kind of stuff. Because it's even just a very broad interpretation of accessibility is like you get sort of the personalized experience to engage with this content in whatever way is going to be most sort of effective for you. And that, you know, could be closed captioning. Like there's so many different opportunities to be able to sort of deliver something that's more accessible. So I don't know if you can kind of speak to that. Yeah. I mean, I think the good news is in some ways, like we kind of know what we like in terms of what we're willing to watch and what's helpful to us in terms of learning. I mean, that's what we learned over the last 10 years, right? Is that we like to be stimulated and engaged and interactive and social. So we know a lot about our likes. What I think we don't necessarily know is how do you build that? And how does generative AI help us to do that in an accessible way? From an education perspective, I just like to provide maybe two of my core thesis statements kind of going into how do you build that? And one of them is that I believe we're moving towards in this era for everybody, not just the next generation, a world in which we're visually communicating as the primary mode of communication. And that's kind of a bold statement, but I do believe that, you know, media and video is the 21st century pen and to be able to communicate meaningfully with each other across time zones and languages that visual is a bridge towards doing that. And the second thing is that beyond the digital revolution of YouTube, COVID placed us in this online space where we are now being forced to communicate virtually digitally more than we ever were before. And then generative AI is like, hey, I'm here. Like, I'm here to help you all do that. And everyone's like, whoa, I just feel like I got hit by a tsunami. Like, I want to stop talking about generative AI. So here we are, right? We're at this space together. And my answer to this is, in the same way that YouTube made it super simple to upload something, right? Really easy. Now our task is to take these engines, which are, are machines, like really deep learning machines and, and just make them applicable, like up, make the application really accessible. So one of the products that we launched at CreatorUp is called Daisy. And Daisy essentially makes every AI output into a task so anyone can go there and click this link and make this type of video. And on top of that, we layer in some human support to review it. The reason I mention it is I know that as the universities that we're talking to, all of them are looking for ways to help empower their professors to create better content or to augment their content. And so you've got this mandate from higher up that's saying, hey, you got to make Gen AI assisted content. Well, what does that mean? Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing admissions and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM and Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. 
What if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, my friend, guess what? Today's your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, being the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, etc., can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Dustin from Hired Geek sent you their way. You know, AI is going to do everything for us everywhere all the time and everybody has to use it or something else. And it's like, it's been like just a few months, I think, where we've just really seen this be so much more kind of ascendant at the forefront. And I mean, it existed before, but it's just, yeah, like how can we be kind of like empathetic, be supportive, be sort of helping to still and kind of instill the best practices or just kind of give a guiding hand, like suggestions of like, hey, you might want to, you know, make this because again, like that idea, I'm thinking of like writing too, again, just like communication, where it's like, hey, you might want to make this shorter. Hey, this is like, just like a very complicated word, there might be a simpler way to say this and all that kind of stuff. So I think just, yeah, like, how can we integrate these tools, but also integrate yeah, the support, the human review, any of that kind of stuff. So I think that is really a really interesting sort of proposition and just maybe just, you know, I'm sure that that is unfortunately maybe more or less aware to certain folks who are like creating tools in the space and others that like you maybe early enough realize like we need to scaffold people up as they're starting to bring this into the mix of how they, you know, create experiences for their students and everything. So I mean, the great news about this, in my opinion, is the student is the winner, because if you start to look at some of this content that we can create together more efficiently, more effectively, I mean, it is really fun and exciting. And it's kind of changing the expectations of the students to meet what they normally watch on their TikTok or their YouTube channel. And they're used to seeing and they're like, oh, my school is really stepping it up here because... I'm like wanting to watch my lesson videos instead of wanting to watch this makeup tutorial. You know? So, yeah, yeah, so it's really powerful. I mean, there's people that do just create educational content on TikTok, which I think is great that they're putting their time in there. And some of them are like faculty members and stuff. And then just like, if it get maybe you're taking, you know, as it is relevant, like those sort of values that make a TikTok engaging and being like, okay, like we're going to try to create like videos in the LMS, even just, I mean, even just the premise of doing that. And again, making that as easy as possible for professionals is great. But then as it makes sense to it's like, can we maybe just have a little fun with this? (laughs) Like, can we like try to make this not like, you know, a lecture in three minute chunks? Like, it's like, okay, let's do a three minute video, but make it a little bit more engaging. Cause like, yeah, I mean, even just in the past few years, I've, remember in different roles that I've been in where like 
certain like faculty members or who else were like, yeah, we have an online course. And all it is, is just text pages in an LMS that people are just coming through. So it's like, okay, it's definitely an upgrade if you're like throwing a couple of videos in there. And even better if like those videos are higher quality and all that. And maybe are, the, they're just able to maybe be, and if you want to kind of speak to this, I guess, is the idea of like that you could potentially like maintain them and iterate on them a little bit easier because if you're creating them like if the efficiency is there so much to like create then hopefully it would still be there to like maintain because i know that that's what i've seen sometimes we're like well we you know we have a studio and we're filming these videos and all this kind of stuff and it's like they have to know that they're going to have like this shelf life of years because like we can't just get like the studio i get like it's just we have to kind of do things one at a time and create these videos with people that are great but like i think that efficiency gain on both the creation but also the maintenance and iteration would be kind of a game changer in the same way that i would use the words create and build i would say that edit and amend are equally easier to do in the way that everyone's like, oh, I just spent so much money on this asset. Now I have to, it's there for 10 years. It's not the way it is anymore, right? And to that point, as a part of some of our ongoing solutions, we make it easy to update things, right? As a part of almost like the service or the solution. So you don't have to worry about that. I think in general, we can start to, not that content is disposable because I don't think that's true, but I will say that consumer appetites are insatiable. And so because of that, I really feel like in order to achieve this idea of personalized learning, yes, more content choices that are relevant to the biggest bottlenecks and pain points is helpful, right? And also for different purposes, right? Maybe this is meant to inspire. Maybe this is meant to teach something technical. And maybe this is meant to create some community, right? We can start to be a little bit more nuanced with why did we make this in the first place, right? And all of those objectives associated with those different types of content are great, right? YouTube, when they launched their content strategy, this is YouTube 101, because we used to teach this all over the world, is like, you know, our educational content does three things. It inspires people, it keeps them educated on a particular topic, and then it also can educate according to trends, right? So you're getting those different layers of different types of education and your content strategy reflects that. One is more guided towards community and conversation. One is geared towards, hey, I learned something. And the other is, look what I can do in the world. Look who I can be. Aspirational, inspirational. So I think we should look at some of the things that we've learned over the last 10 years from social media watching consumption habits and just apply them to our everyday educational experiences. Because this, this idea of a wall between academics and skills training or, you know, it's just kind of blending, right? And I think that if companies are going to get on board with this content planning and strategy with educational content faster than schools, you will start to see employers bypass talent training and education, and that will make the higher educational institutions less relevant than they could be if they still need to report on their jobs and outcomes and so forth. If it's liberal arts, all bets are off. But, you know, across the rest of the ecosystem, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, and that the way that that's kind of resonating with me, too, is like those three kind of pillars. It's like 
that could apply in the classroom or out of the classroom. And again, like a lot of students are like developing those skills and, you know, their extracurriculars and stuff. And um, yeah, it can just be like the very broad guidance because even then of like, for I'm learning a new skill, it's like, how are we doing? Like there's obviously a lot sort of embedded in those three pillars of like, you know, how you teach somebody a new thing. But yeah, like they're just really good three kind of general pillars that like, yeah, just are so helpful in anchoring any content that you're creating. Yeah. If you think about the media as a teacher, right? If we personify it, like what's the job of a teacher? Of course, you're supposed to teach him the stuff for the test, but you're also supposed to keep him seated in their seat and or collaborative, like working together. And you're also supposed to inspire them personally and show them the pathway for their future, right? Media should do all of those things because that is the job of the teacher, right? So I feel like the, the media is the tool that the teacher can use. It's not necessarily a replacement, but now with the teacher being the author, you kind of got to think about your online. How are you doing this online? If you did it in the classroom, how does it translate to an asynchronous course? Yeah, absolutely. As we wind down, I'm curious just because I think you've had such awesome perspectives on all of this. So are there any like resources or things that are grabbing your attention, things that you kind of engage with that kind of help inform the way that you uh, view all this work? Yes. Thank you for asking. There's a wonderful organization called AIEDU, and its objective is to help educate, it's a nonprofit, educate education around AI and its applications. So I highly recommend checking out AIEDU. JFF, Jobs for the Future, just launched also an AI incubator. And I think it's worth following along with what they're doing. And I believe they may be coming to a classroom near you to help provide training, education, and there's lots of webinars as well. So I would tune into those two resources because I think in order for media generative AI to become accessible, we really just need to understand some basic things. And those things are not technical. They're really not. They're like, okay, how can this help me to become more productive with sharing my ideas? That's one category. Another idea might be, how do I visualize something using the tools that might be out there, et cetera? Some of those things are so just, you know, not technical. They're strategic, they're foundational. And having taken English and math, you know, you can study as much as you want around that particular math problem or that particular, you know, writing assignment. But if your grammar's off, or you don't understand basic addition, there's never going to be a, a world for you. It's, it's no different to me in this new world of content creation. Yeah, that's awesome stuff to check out. And yeah, I mean, I feel like, because we usually do like a final thought or call to action to end. And sometimes for people are just like, coming out with the bangers, like every question is just like, oh my God, that's such good stuff. But I'm like, I mean, we always end on it. So if you got another one in your pocket, uh, we will give you the floor here. But if you just have something to kind of summarize, wrap things up, final thought, call to action for folks on this topic of just sort of, you know, bringing together of just, you know, all the awesome insights that you've shared around, you know, content creation for higher education, you know, writ large, whether it's in the classroom or outside of it, just, you know, reflections, anything that you would like to share, final thought is yours. Yeah, take the pressure off of yourself. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure that instructors and business leaders at educational institutions 
feel right now. I would encourage you to take the pressure off and I would encourage you to open it up in a way that feels a little bit more freedom oriented. And the easiest way to do that, as I've seen done at companies and educational institutions is do a hackathon, like offer a contest, you know, at your school and, or trying new things, like get people together, get a group together to brainstorm and see what you learn and make something and, and see what you learn. That's it. You know, like have fun, share your ideas. Like this should be a time of joy. This should be a time of celebration. And I fear that it's a time of anxiety and frustration, but we should be celebrating the fact that we can communicate more effectively and more efficiently with our, with our students and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I love the inclusion of the, the fun element and yeah, I mean, even just like for our whole conversation, like the spectrum of like, cause you're kind of saying like, bring some freedom in it, you know, into it and not be so sort of like restrictive. Cause yeah, like we didn't really talk about it because it doesn't really warrant, I guess, discussion because this is kind of the past and the history is like being so restrictive, you know, that idea of like, well, if we film something it needs to be in a studio, a whole professional outfit. And it's like, sure, that can, you know, certain things kind of deserve that and warrant that. But like, you know, trying to get to a place where there is a little bit more empowerment for students and faculty and staff and everybody to create the content that's going to help achieve their outcomes and sort of supplement and augment what they're doing. And yeah, like keeping it fun, keeping it engaging, keeping it sort of just relevant in its format and sort of the modality and whatever else. So definitely a really awesome call to action and final thought and appreciate all that you've shared in this little jam session that we had here. And yeah, just we'll have ways to connect with you and create up, you know, the work that you all are doing there in the description for the episode. But uh, thanks so much for just jumping in and hanging out and uh, chatting about this. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.